0: I'm going to see how many truth-tellers are in here. You felt unthanked. How about unappreciated? How about unpromoted when you should have been? How many of you have ever been bothered when somebody got something you thought you were going to get and you really struggled with, why them and not me? Okay. I just want to know if I'm talking to human beings that live on planet Earth today. We've been in this series now on God's unsung heroes. And the unsung heroes of the Bible, these are people who are not on the front pages of Scripture. They're not the headline people. They were the ones in the background who helped the headline people be who they were and reach what they reached and do what they did. So we're just kind of plucking some of these obscure names out of the Bible and giving them some of the credit due them um, and in the same token, we are learning ourselves that even though others might not thank us, God sees what we do and God is our rewarder. Amen. So we're going to read today about a guy that you've probably never heard of. His name is Ebed Melek and I've got these glasses and they're all fogged up, but that's okay because I'm going to read right through the fog because I love God. Amen. His name is, say with me, Ebed-Melech. How many have ever heard of him? I thought so. All right. Ebed-Melech, let's read Jeremiah 38, verses 16, or 6 through 13. So they took Jeremiah and they cast him into the dungeon of Malchiah, the king's son, which was in the court of the prison, and they let Jeremiah down with ropes. And in the dungeon, there was no water, but mire. We would call it mud. So Jeremiah sank in the mire. Now picture this. He's an old man. He's not a young man being lowered into this pit. He's an an old man. He's being lowered by ropes under his armpits into a dark black well. Cistern. His feet hit the mud and he keeps right on sinking. And he's wondering, how far am I going to go before my feet hit the bottom? This is bad. This is scary. This would be my worst nightmare. It's claustrophobic in there. You can't move around very well. Now, Jeremiah sank in the mire, and it says, out of nowhere, Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, one of the eunuchs who was in the king's house, somebody answer that phone, heard of what had happened to Jeremiah and how he sank in the dungeon so he heard about it now when the king was sitting at the gate of Benjamin Ebed-melech went out of the king's house and spoke right to the king saying my lord the king these men have done evil and all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet whom they have cast into the dungeon and he is likely to die from hunger in the place where he is, for there's no more bread in the city. Then the king commanded Ebed Melech the Ethiopian, saying, Take from here thirty men with you, and lift Jeremiah the prophet out of the dungeon before he dies. So Ebed Melech took the men with him, and went into the house of the king under the treasury, and he took from there old clothes and old rags, and let them down by ropes into the dungeon to jeremiah then ebed Melech, the ethiopian said to jeremiah please put these old clothes and rags under your armpits under the ropes and jeremiah did so so they pulled jeremiah up with ropes and lifted him out of the dungeon into the light and jeremiah remained in the core of the prison what a powerful story father thank you for your word. And I pray that the heart that was in Ebed-Melech will be in this church because the heart that was in him, Lord, is the heart that is in Jesus. Will you breathe a prayer today and say, Lord, speak to my heart. I receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. And let me talk to you about this incredible story, give you a little bit of background The setting for this story is that after many months of being surrounded by the Babylonian army, food supplies had become scarce in Jerusalem. Now, Jeremiah the prophet started preaching when he was a teenager. You remember in Jeremiah chapter 1 when he was called, and he said, Lord, I'm too young, who am I? And the Lord said, don't you dare say that to me. I'm going to put my words in your mouth and so on and so forth. Read him the riot act. And he was launched into ministry. He's now an old man. He has been preaching to a reprobate, apostate, backslidden nation for decades. They haven't listened to him. He has said, you better repent. And if you don't repent, God's going to bring judgment and you're going to be taken into captivity. They didn't listen to him. They put him in the stocks. They mocked him, ridiculed him. He was never married. He was a lonely man his whole life. God would not let him marry He was rejected, decried, his writings were burned by the king and the princes of the land. Nobody wanted the word that Jeremiah had because it was the word of God. And when you are in a backslidden, reprobate nation, they never want to hear the word of God. So now Jeremiah is seeing with his very own eyes what he has predicted would happen his entire life. He is seeing the nation surrounded by armies and it's the Babylonians and they are about to take them into a 70-year captivity for their sin. Jeremiah had a message and the message was this surrender or you will die. Well the princes of the land didn't like that. They had no idea that the sword of judgment was hanging over their heads. They did not believe it, they did not accept it and I'm gonna tell you why. They believed that they were entitled because they were God's people. They had an entitlement mentality. He may judge others, but he's not going to judge us because we're his chosen people and really we're not doing anything wrong. But they had utterly departed from God. So because they had this entitlement mentality, they didn't believe his warnings. Remind you of any nation you know of? So... The king's men got very angry with him. They didn't like his surrender while you still can message because they thought they were going to somehow defeat this massive Babylonian army, and they didn't have a chance. And so for this message, surrender while you still can, he was thrown into a dungeon. Jeremiah, an old man, has ropes tied around his arms, his armpits, and he's lowered down into this terrible cistern or well he was let down into a pit that used to hold water we would think of an old water well it was bigger but same idea and he's lowered down it used to hold water but now it's it's feet deep in mud Jeremiah sunk in the mire the historian Josephus tells us up to his neck if you can imagine such a feeling You're being lowered down into this black pit. There is no one for you at that moment. You know that this is it, this is the curtain call. If God doesn't deliver you, this is it. This is the way you go out. His feet hit the mud, it starts traveling up his legs, up his chest, and and, and finally it's up to his neck and then it stops, his feet hit bottom. What a feeling. What a nightmare. Why? for preaching the Word of God. That's it, just for standing for God. Some think that it was at this time and in this place that Jeremiah recorded his prayers to the Lord, recorded in Lamentations chapter 3. Verse 55 says, I call on your name, Lord, from the depths of the pit. Help me, God. You're my only help. And that's the way pits are. That's the way deep wells are. That's the way it is when you're in a horrible pit and there is no way out but God. And some of you in here today are in a horrible pit and there's no way out but God. But can I tell you, I got good news for you today. There is a healer in the house and there is a deliverer in the house. My God specializes in drawing people out of the pit. I call on your name, Lord, from the depths of the pit. It was clearly such a deep pit, very deep, that Jeremiah would have certainly perished if he had not been delivered. And this is evident from the fact they had to use ropes to let him down. They couldn't just grab him by the hands and set him into it, he had to be lowered in. It took time for him to hit the bottom. This is bad. Here he is. He can't move. His legs, his arms, all the way up to his neck are covered in this mud. There's no light. He can look up. He might be able to see light at the very top, but there's no sympathizers up there until out of the blue comes a friend from nowhere. Have you ever noticed that when you're in real trouble, God is able to bring somebody your way who you never expected? I mean, all of a sudden, there's a friend from nowhere. And you realize that God uses people. God finds somebody to reach out and help you in the situation that you're in. And there is this friend from nowhere. And it is at this time that this unknown nobody named Ebed-Melech, the king's slave, stepped into the picture to help Jeremiah. Now, this Ebed-Melech is an unknown, unnamed, unsung, hero in the Bible. He was a Cushite. The Bible says he was was Ethiopian, so this man was a black man. He was a black man, and Joseph the historian again tells us he was a great man. This Ebed-Melech, he was a great man in high office of great authority because he had direct access to the king. He could go to the king and speak to him, and if you didn't have the authority and you did that, you died that's the way they were in those days so this Ebed-Melech this black man this Ethiopian who was a slave to the king hears of what has happened to Jeremiah he hears of his plight he had heard that Jeremiah had been put in the dungeon and some believe that he might have even been able to hear the groans of this poor old man because he was near the dungeon The king that he waited on was at the gate and the gate was near the dungeon where Jeremiah had been lowered. So very strong chance he heard this poor man's cries. I call on your name, Lord, from the depth of the pit. I'm in a pit, please help me, God. Can you imagine hearing an old man pray from the bottom of a well? Can you imagine that? Even though Ebed-Melech was just one of many servants to the king, he now steps onto the pages of history for several key reasons. And I want us to see these reasons because I'm telling you, there is such a picture here. Believe me, church, God never wastes a word. Whatever is in his Bible is for our learning. Paul told us the things written in the Old Testament are for our learning in the New Testament. There is a message there for us today. And when I look at this man, Ebed-Melech, his story just shouts at me several things that i know that god wants to characterize his church today the first thing that distinguished him is he was a compassionate man he was compassionate have you noticed how people in our country and our world are getting so hard hearted cold hearted did you know that paul warned that in the last days men's hearts would so depart from god that they would lose all natural affection Did you know that the Bible predicts that, that as the coming of Christ draws near, that that men and women are going to lose natural God-given affection for children, for each other, for life? And yet I see this man, Ebed-Melech, and when he hears the cries of Jeremiah, and hears what has happened to him, he's moved with compassion, his heart is touched. And there was no personal compelling reason for him to show the concern and the compassion that he displayed. Ebed-Melech was a Gentile, and Jeremiah was a Jew, and those two didn't have anything to do with each other in those days, all the way up to the days of Jesus. And yet, he was moved with compassion. He reminds me of the Good Samaritan. In Jesus' parable, and you remember there was a man wounded and bleeding in the road, and he was Jewish, and Jewish people were walking by him. Jewish travelers on the road walked by him one after another and didn't do a thing to help him. Their hearts were not moved. But then came a good Samaritan who was a Gentile. And this Gentile looks at this Jewish man, and whereas normally they didn't have anything to do with each other, in Jesus' mind, Jesus was giving us a picture here. He said, this good Samaritan, his heart went out to this hurting, bleeding man, and he dressed his wounds and picked him up and carried him to a hotel and gave him a roof roof over his head and took care of him. And Jesus was giving us a picture of what a normal, healthy person would and should do. And I believe further than that, he was giving us a picture of what his church should be like. We should be a people moved with compassion. That just comes naturally. We don't have to say, oh, God, help me to care. We hear of someone's pain. We hear of somebody being in a pit and they can't get out. And we say, Lord, my heart is going out. I have compassion on this person. I can't help but think of Jesus himself, who time and again, if you read the, the Gospels time and again, you will hear these words, he was moved with compassion. Jesus was moved with compassion. And when he was moved with compassion, it greased the skids for a miracle. Compassion with Jesus often preceded a miracle. The Bible says, faith works by love best. Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw the hungry multitudes who were like sheep having no shepherd. And the Bible says he looked at them and he was moved with compassion. The poor leper with the terminal disease eating away his body came up to Jesus and said, Help me, help me. And it says Jesus looked at him and was moved with compassion. This Ebad Melech is a, is a picture of the heart of Jesus. When we hear of somebody in a pit, we ought to be moved with compassion. Not judgmental, not snooty-nosed, not religious, not, well, I'm glad I'm not that way anymore, but moved with compassion. Our hearts should be moved with the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you, there are people who are trapped in pits all over this county and all over this city and the heart of Jesus right now is being moved with compassion. And what's he looking for? He's looking for a church that will be likewise moved with compassion. And because of that compassion, it, 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 it accentuates our faith. And we see miracles. It was Jesus who taught us to visit the sick and the imprisoned. He said, inasmuch as you have done it to the least of one of these, my brethren, you have done it to me. I want you to have a heart for those in prison. I want you to have a heart for the sick. I got a letter this week from a prisoner that I am going to read to you next week, a lifer. I got a letter from a woman who is in prison for life. And I can't tell you, I don't want to give much of it away. I'm going to have it narrated. I'm going to show you her picture. They found our radio broadcast. And now there's a whole group of women in this prison who are gathering to listen to the Word of God from this church. And and i got to tell you, I'm going to read it to you. But Jesus said, I was in prison and you visited me. Oh, yeah. But watch this now. He not only had compassion. It didn't stop there. But his compassion moved him to action. And it says... He powerfully interceded. So he had compassion. That compassion moved him to action, and the action produced intercession. On hearing what had occurred, the Ethiopian went straight to the king. And I can't read that without telling you, I see a picture here. He went to a king who was flawed. He went to a king that didn't know the Lord. He went to a king that was just another human being. But church, we've got a king we can go to when we know about somebody who is in a pit who is not flawed, but he is perfect and he is powerful and he is waiting for compassionate people to bring the cause of the hurting into the throne room of God. So when I read this, I want you to be thinking New Testament, New Testament, New Testament. On hearing what had occurred, the Ethiopian Eben Melek went straight to the king and said, quote, my Lord, O king, these men have acted wickedly in all they have done to Jeremiah the prophet, whom they have cast into the pit. And he is dying of hunger on the spot for there is no more bread in the city. Now notice his words because here is a snapshot of intercession. First, he explains the enemy's plot. Wicked men have unfairly attacked the prophet Jeremiah. That's the enemy's plot. Wicked men have attacked him unfairly he hasn't done anything wrong. Second, he exposes their ploy. They've thrown him into a deadly pit, O king. They don't just want to get him out of the picture, O king, but they want to kill him. They want to murder him. They want to assassinate him. And so, O king, I want you to know not only is there a wicked plot against him, a satanic assignment against him, but there is a ploy The ploy is to get him into a pit that he can't get out of. The ploy is to get him into a pit from which there is no escape, from which there is no extraction, from which he will never, ever reappear. The ploy is to kill him. And then he went further. And he expounded on Jeremiah's plight. He's dying on the spot, O king. He's dying on the spot. I'm bringing to you his cause. He can't come to himself because he's in the pit. But I can come to you because I'm not in a pit. Are you hearing me today, church? See, I can come to you because I'm not in the pit. He's in the pit. And I'm coming to you and I'm telling you, here's the plot. He has been attacked by wicked people. Here's the ploy. They're trying to kill him. And here is his plight. He's dying while we speak. O king, he's dying right now on the spot. And the result is this king's heart was moved to act. What a perfect picture of intercession before the living God. Church, I want us to catch this today because there is so much power in this room with God, and if we could understand it, it would change our life. We need to get to the place where we go to God and we say, let's let's imagine we're praying for America. We go to God and we explain Satan's plot against this country. Lord, this country has come under the attack of a wicked enemy. This country is in the grip of a wicked attack. There has been a satanic assignment against this country. Or you've got a loved one. And you come in the presence of God and you say, Lord, the 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 devil has targeted this person I love. There is a satanic assignment against their life. And I am coming to you, first of all, Lord, to, to bring their cause and their case to you. And then, Lord, I want to tell you about the ploy. The ploy has been to get them into a pit from which they cannot get out. I look around me and I see people trapped in pits from which they cannot get out all the time. Trapped in drugs, trapped in alcohol, trapped in immorality. We are living in an enslaved nation. We used to call it the land of the free, the home of the brave. Now it's the home of the bound and the home of the enslaved. Satan has come against this country in a way I never thought that I would see. But we've got a God we can bring it to. We can bring the enemy's plot. We can bring the enemy's ploy. And we can bring, the, we can bring America's plight and say, Lord, they're going to die without a deliverance. This nation is done without a deliverance. Lord, you are our only hope. And I look to you, Lord God, if this wicked king's heart could be touched and moved then God's heart will be moved and touched by prayers that we pray. It is not too late. I'm telling you, th- there's only one hope for this country, and it's not, it's not political, and it's not financial. It is spiritual. It's going to take a move from God. But what power, when we put on this mantle that ebed melech had on him, and we go to God and we say, Lord, here's the plot, here's the ploy, here's the plight. I'm asking you to move, O oh God. And I also noticed that Ebed-Melech spoke to the king very freely. When he went up to the king, the king was surrounded by his men. He did this in the open at the gate of the city. He was very bold on behalf of the bound. And Hebrews 4.16 tells us here's the way we're to approach God. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us in our hour of need. He didn't say you might. He didn't say maybe so, perhaps so, hope so. He said you will find grace to help you in your hour of need when you come boldly covered in the blood of Jesus, walking as a child of God, right into the throne room to Daddy God. And you say, God, I've got something on my heart. There is somebody I know who is bound. It's my husband. It's my wife. It's my children. It's my neighbors. It's my nation. And I'm asking you, Lord, to hear me. And if this wicked king could hear Ebed or could hear ebed Melik, he can certainly, we can be heard by the living God. It's one thing to have compassion and it's another thing to do something about it and to be driven to action and then to go into intercession. Church, I'm telling you the day is upon us when we're going to be turning off that TV and we're going to be closing that People magazine and we're going to be taking that phone off the hook and turning off those iPhones, laptops, Blackberries and anything else you've got and you're going to take the Word of God into the prayer closet and shut the door and say, Lord, I'm not coming out until I've got an answer. On hearing his deep, heartfelt intercession for Jeremiah, the king was moved to do exceeding abundantly above all that ebed melech could have imagined. He said to him, get this. He said, I'm touched. Here's what I want you to do. Take 30 men with you and lift Jeremiah the prophet out of the dungeon before he dies. That's the power of intercession. And will not our God release 30 of his mighty angels in answer to our prayer? If we will come to him and say, Oh, God, move again, move in Tarrant County, move in Johnson County, move in Dallas County, Lord, move in America again, will not he dispatch the powers of God to do it? Yes, he will. You gotta, you gotta wonder why 30 men? This is one guy stuck down in the mud. Why, why 30 men? One commentator thinks the dungeon was so deep and Jeremiah, an old man, could not be pulled out but with great labor and difficulty. And likewise, I'm going to tell you the truth. There are some people who are so bound, they're in such a pit, that a person's deliverance may take great effort and great perseverance on the part of many people. But the end result is worth it all. When the chains fall off and the ropes are broken and they are standing up free and filled with God's Spirit and delivered from what had them bound. But sometimes you got to push and pray and persevere. So we see compassion, combined with intercession operating in his life. But next, a surprise. He used something very unexpected for Jeremiah's deliverance. It says, Ebed-Melech took from their old clothes and old rags and let them down by ropes into the dungeon to Jeremiah. He used old, discarded, rotten rags, and made them into ropes. Apparently in the king's house, there there, there was a goodwill. There was some place where they put the old clothes that the kings and the princes and the queens used to wear, and they ditched them and threw them away and said, they're good for nothing anymore. They're just rags. We'll never wear them again. They have seen their greatest day. They've seen their greatest use. They will never see a better day than they've already seen. Now they're good for nothing but rags. But one man's rags is another man's riches. Because Ebed-Melech saw these rags and he said, we've got to have some ropes to get him out of that pit. And so he grabbed, he took these old rags and he made ropes out of the rags because the pit was so deep the men could not reach the prophet with their own hands. So he used that which was old and useless to make ropes of deliverance for a dying prophet. Now, I'm hearing something here and I want you to catch what I'm hearing because see, people have said over some of you, your best days behind you people have said over some of you you went too far and you sinned too much and now you're really good for nothing but to get to heaven by the skin of your chinny chin chin someday and that's about all you're ever going to see but can i tell you that our god delights in reaching down and grabbing hold of what people consider to be rags and raising them up to become a rope that pulls people out of pits come on everybody yes he does And, and, and i see a picture here Indulge me a minute. Because he took these old rags, one after another, tied them together, tied them together, tied them together, really tight. And a bunch of them, until finally they were a rope of deliverance. And I see God doing something in our day. Yes, there are a lot of churches apostatizing, a lot of churches walking away from God, but there is also a remnant that loves the Lord with all of their heart. And they are filled with the Spirit of God, and God's hand is on them. And here's what I see God doing. He's tying one to the other, and tying one to the other. He's tying the Baptist to the Methodist and the Methodist to the assembly of God and the assembly of God to the Presbyterian and the Presbyterian to the Episcopalian. He's tying us together and I want you to know today you're being prepared to be a part of a rope of deliverance that is lowered down into a pit to pull people up who are bound. Pull them up who are bound. Pull them up who are bound. bound. That's it. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Isn't it just like God to use what people consider useless and good for nothing? To use that which has been cast away and discarded to bring about a miracle. How many of you ever felt cast away, discarded, useless? My best days are behind me. I don't care if you're 80. When Caleb was 80, he went up to Moses and said, give me my mountain." And that 80-year-old man went and defeated the giants and took his inheritance. It's never over till God has had his say. Never. God delights in using what people have discarded. Paul wrote, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the world or things chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. God used old rags, always has, always will, to confound the mighty. I see a church tied together in covenant, tied together at the cross, tied together in fellowship, tied together in the persecution that is coming upon this land. And God is going to have churches that are ropes of deliverance, that are delivering the afflicted and the bound and those that are in pits over and over again. We are in the pit delivering business. And so is God. David knew exactly what we're talking about. David said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry, and he brought me up also. He brought me up also. How many of you can say this? He brought me up also out of a horrible pit. Now, look what God does, and out of the miry clay, there it is. David was in the miry clay as well, and he says, but he didn't stop there. He said, and he established my goings. He made a straight path for my feet. And then he didn't stop there, but he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise. Many will see it and fear and trust in the Lord. God is in the business of bringing us up out of pits we will never get out of on our own so that he gets all the glory because you know and everyone else knows you were stuck if it had not been for God. But if God has brought you out of a pit, give him praise right now. Come on. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. Amen. Thank you. Now, I got to say this one thing before I close. This is one of the real burdens on my heart for this country. When I think of those old discarded rags, I think about how our modern society has decided that the word of God is no longer useful. We've thrown the word of God like it's old rags into the back. We say, well, we've got new wisdom now, secularism, humanism, political correctness. We're our own gods. We don't really need that, those old rags of the Word of God and the wisdom of God, His Son, Jesus Christ, His ways, His wisdom. We've thrown them out like old rags. And I want you to look at... You pick that way. And that's going to be your road of deliverance. Walked in it. And delivered Noah when he walked in it. And blessed Abraham when he walked in it. And strengthened David when he walked in it. The old way. The well-worn way. The The one that has the footprints of Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and Paul and James and John and Peter. They've got those sandaled footprints in it. The old way. You pick that way and that's going to be your road of deliverance. walked in it. And blessed Abraham when he walked in it and strengthened David when he walked in it. The old way, the well-worn way, the one the one that has the footprints of Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and Paul and James and John and Peter. They've got those sandaled footprints in it. The old way. You pick that way and that's going to be your road of deliverance and that's what we lower down into the he walked in it and strengthened David when he walked in it the old way the well-worn way the one, the one that has the footprints of Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and Paul and James and John and Peter they've got those sandaled footprints in it the old way you pick that way And that's going to be your road of deliverance. And that's what we lower down into the pit to give people. The old rags. The old way. That old wisdom that doesn't grow stale. Ebed-Melech illustrates for us compassion for the hurting. Intercession for the bound. And making use of what is tried and true to bring about a great deliverance. By these three things, Jeremiah the prophet was delivered from certain death. And so glad that Ebed did it. Do you know that if Ebed-Melech had not been moved with compassion and done what he did, we wouldn't have the book of Lamentations? Because Jeremiah wrote that way after being delivered from the pit. You know what else we wouldn't have? We wouldn't have the last 14 chapters of Jeremiah. We wouldn't have them. Because he wouldn't have been there to write them. And they are loaded with prophecy for our day. Ebed Melech, you were just like Jesus. Moved with compassion. Interceded for the bound. And lowered that rope of the old down into that pit. You brought out the man of God. Can we stand together? Can I tell you something in closing today? You are an Ebed-Melech. Listen carefully to me. I'm very aware that this message is prophetic. Some messages are good messages from the word of God. This one is good, but it's prophetic. God wants all of us in here to understand that we are all Ebed-Melechs and around us are people in pits. Do you hear their cry? Do you hear their cry? And when you hear it, you go to your king. And you give their plot, ploy, plight. And then God's going to give you rope. You're an Ebed Melech. Now let me pray for you. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord today. We want the heart of compassion that was in this man. His heart of compassion came from God. God wanted his servant delivered. He touched Ebed's heart. He wants people all around you and me delivered. He's going to touch our heart. Father, give us the heart of compassion that was in Ebed-Melech. Can you breathe that prayer right now, church? Give me that heart of compassion. And Lord, help us to take advantage of the intercessory prayer ministry you've given to us to take the plot, the ploy, the plight of the bound to God. And I want you to know while your hands are raised to the Lord that he's going to give you, he has already given you the rope. It's the Bible. It's in your hand. That old wisdom, that old truth. That never fades away. And I want you to be an Ebad Melek, and when you get the chance, it's going to come to you. I want you to reach out to that person and say, I know who can set you free, I know who can pull you out. Thank you, Lord. Our God reigns. Let's sing it, everybody. Our God. Our, Our God. Say, Pastor, I'm in a pit, or I need to know the Lord, or I need to come back to God. I want you to raise your hands right where you are, quickly, real high. I don't want you to be ashamed. God bless you, many of you, many of you, all over this place. Many of you. Now, everyone, look at me a minute, and I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. He'll pull you out of the pit. you can say, Pastor, I'm in a pit, or I need to know the Lord, or I need to come back to God. I want you to raise your hands right where you are, quickly, real high. I want you to be ashamed. God bless you, many of you, many of you, all over this place. Many of you. Now, everyone look at me a minute, and I'm going to tell you what we're going to do as we close. We're, we're about to dismiss, but if you raise your hands, I'm going to do what I did last night. At, at Saturday night church we had about 8 or 9 people to come down to give their hearts to the Lord about 8 or 9 on Saturday night I, I, here's what I did, I dismissed and I asked people who had raised their hands to come down and meet with me as everybody is leaving I want you to come forward if you raise your hand, don't you dare or leave without coming down because I want to pray with you I wouldn't get into my car if you raise your hand come down and let's pray first And then we'll let you go. So that's my invitation to you. How many of you needed this today? Can you give the Lord a hand of praise? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay.